Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Hallelujah. Isn't God good, church? He's so good. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, precious Jesus. Precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, he is so good. He is so good. Hallelujah. Don't you love the presence of God? Love the presence of God. You know, I have found that my alone time with God is so precious. I love when I'm alone in the presence of the Lord. And recently I've had some really precious times with him. But there's something about coming together in corporate worship. When we come together as the body of Christ, God ordains that. He tells us to come together. He tells us to gather together. And there's just something precious about it when we come together as saints worshiping our God. And so tonight I want to talk about being blameless. You know, Scripture, ah, Scripture's precious, amen? What a gift it is to us. You know, I, I was thinking about, and we, we've talked about it a few times in some of the groups that I've been in, how precious it is to have the Word of God. You know, I know we live in a, in a country where there's a whole lot of, if you'll pardon the phrase, kind of really screwed up things going on, you know, and you just kind of go, did you just say that? And, like, it came out of your mouth and it made sense to your brain? Did you really just say that? And did you say that last week and then you just said this this week and you completely contradicted yourself and that made sense to you? Like you just, some of it is just baffling, the things that come out of people's mouths. But in the midst of it, we are a blessed nation. We are a blessed nation. And while we're challenged and we're questioned and our beliefs are sometimes mocked, we are blessed. We are blessed to serve the living God openly and freely, and to have his word available to us in so many ways and so many avenues. I have so many Bibles on my shelves at home, and I have so many electronic versions available to me, and I have so many computers and my phone in so many ways that I think, you know, like, oh, where's that scripture that says this? And I can have just an idea of what the scripture says and kind of type in what I think it says and I can find it in a fairly short time. I may not even know fully what the verse says, but I can kind of know what it's talking about and find it. It's such an amazing blessing to have the word of God so available to us. And so I was thinking about this word blameless because scripture talks about it so much and I, I did, you know me, I'm kind of a word study geek. And so I looked up the word blameless, and I found it to be in the Word of God about 99 times. Again, it depends on the version that you use. But it's in the Word of God about 99 times. So almost 100 times you can find this word in Scripture. And it's in the New Testament about 29 times. But, as we have said many times before, English can be very limited. So we use the word blameless. We see it about 29 times in the New Testament. But it's actually 20 different words in the Greek. Literally 20 different words. 29 times one word in English has 29 different words in the Greek. So that intrigued me, and I did some research. So a couple weekends ago, Pastor Andrew 
preached his inaugural sermon after his ordination. Praise the Lord. Amen. And he brought up um, the thing about words and how we use them in the English. And he talked about love. And he said, oh, you know, I love my wife. I love my friend. I love God. And I love pizza. And obviously, English uses the same word love. Well, we certainly hope that he doesn't love God, Shay, Mike, and pizza the same way, obviously. And we know that. And in English, we kind of assume that he doesn't love Shay and pizza the same way because Shay'd knock him out. So hopefully he doesn't have the same love for Shay and pizza. Hopefully Shay is a little higher on the rung in the ladder than pizza is, hopefully, for Andrew's sake. Um, so... While we may use the same word, like in Scripture, we read it blameless. And it may even be, and it is, I'll tell you, those 20 words, um, some of them are similar, but some of them are actually quite different. And so let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again with all his holy people. Amen. So the epistles, the letters that Paul and others wrote to the churches like the church at Thessalonica were letters that were written to the people of God. Many of them had formed churches by this time. Many of them were meeting in houses. They didn't have buildings that they met in. They were meeting in homes. But they were bodies of believers that had formed in these different cities. Most of them were churches that Paul or others had been to and had started a church. Some of them had been that Paul had never been to, but all of that's kind of history, not necessarily um, information that we need. Some of these epistles were actually written, um, I believe it was Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and I can't remember what the other one was. They call the prison epistles where Paul was literally in prison when he wrote them. So Paul wrote a lot of letters, and part of that was out of necessity. Either he was in prison, obviously he couldn't hop on a jet, to go to these different towns, but even sometimes getting in a boat or on a donkey was not available to him. So a letter might be his only option, and sometimes he was addressing an issue that the church was facing, or things like he was hearing things from other people about what was going on in the church. And so he often longed desperately to be with these people because he loved them so much. So we're going to look a little bit closer at verse 12. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. All right. So it's the Lord who makes our love for one another and others abound and overflow. So love for each other, but also others. So scripture tells us that love for each other is one of the signatures of Christians, that that's something the world will know us by, by our love one for another. This is a huge part of our testimony, though, that we have love for others, that that's also a big part of who we are, is that we have love for others. So 1 Thessalonians was written by Paul, but it was also written in part by Silas and Timothy to this church. And there was so much mutual love and respect between Paul and this church. He really loved them. 
So I'm going to do a quick word study with you. The word grow, it means I abound, increase, have more than enough, grow greater, and super abound. And the word overflow means I exceed, over and above, exceed the ordinary, abound, go beyond the expected measure, and surpass. Those are both Greek words, and those are the, what those words mean. See, the, these original languages are so much more um, rich than our language. And so we really do, I really do encourage you to do some little word studies. You don't have to go crazy with it. But if you see a word that intrigues you, look it up in the Strong's Concordance. It's available online. Just look some of these words. A simple word like grow abound, increase, have more than enough, grow greater, and superabound. It means so much more than the word grow. So much more. A simple word like that. And we miss so much sometimes if we just peruse and just read casually in Scripture. So verse 12 could actually read, May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people abound, increase, be more than enough, grow greater, superabound, and exceed over and above, exceed the ordinary, abound, go beyond the expected measure, and surpass. Hmm. I think he wants our love to be extraordinary. What do you think? I don't think he's messing around when he talks about loving each other and others. So what does the Bible mean by blameless? Does it mean you can't blame me? I didn't do it. Don't look at me. I mean, does our society walk around with that attitude an awful lot lately? Don't blame me, man. I didn't do it. How often have we heard that? Well, that I can tell you is not what this word means in the original Greek. It doesn't mean, don't look at me. I didn't do it. It does not mean that. It means blameless or free from fault or defect. And the connotation of the word is being morally pure so we can't be found with fault. When we love well, we shut the mouth of our enemy. Amen. So now, do we do this in our own strength? Thank God, no. Because let me tell you, church, I'm going to tell on me. I'm not going to point my finger at you, but I'm going to tell on me. I don't even have the desire to love that well on my own. I don't even want to love that well on my own. Because the attitude that I have is, well, if you're not nice to me, I don't particularly want to be very nice to you. Because if you're not nice to me, why should I be nice to you? That is my natural bent. Well, they weren't very nice to me, so if you don't respect me, I don't respect you. Isn't that kind of our natural bent? Now, if you're better than that, good on you. But my natural bent is to say, well, if you give me respect, I give you respect. That is not what the Word of God teaches. So I need the love of Christ to constrain me to love well. Thank you, Jesus. I've got the Holy Ghost in me, and I've got the Word of God to teach me how to love better. Thank God, because I'm not very good at it in the natural. Philippians 1, verses 9 through 11 I pray, this is Paul, and this is a prison epistle. Let me tell you, I saw the Mamertine prison in Italy. Yuck. If you've ever visited anybody in prison, our prisons here are 
wowzer. They are like absolute meccas of awesome, like wonderful, wonderful places to visit. They are luxury spas compared to the prisons that these people were in. The Mamertine prison is a gargantuan hole. Basically, you sit around a sewer. It is disgusting. They did not have, you sat on the floor and it was a big hole and it was a sewer. That's basically what it was. It was just a big sewer. It was disgusting. So when we say he was writing from a prison, he wasn't sitting there with all the luxuries. Um, there were no rights. There were no being treated well. Um, you were lucky if you ate and didn't die from a horrible disease because you were basically in a sewer. It was nasty. And you were not treated well and you were not treated with respect. So he was writing this from a horrible place. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. There's that word blameless again, but as you may have guessed, it's a different word. It is not the same word as before. It is not the word that means free from fault or defect. This word means not offending Causing offense, it means blameless. This word has the connotation of not causing someone to stumble and not leading into others into sin by our lifestyle. It's our testimony. It's the way we demonstrate who Christ is in our lives. This passage is more about how we affect others. The other passage basically talks about our moral purity and how we represent ourselves. This passage is talking about how we treat others. They're both blameless. We use the same word in English, but they have different connotations. They mean different things. So church, it is still about love. Our extraordinary love is what sets us apart from the world. This is what God is trying to tell us. John 3.16, a familiar passage, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You will not know, you will not hear of another religion that God died for us. Think about every other religion on the planet. The gods do not love their people. They do not think well of them. They do not serve them. The gods are there to be served. People are meant to be despised. People have to serve the gods. People have to do things for the gods. People never measure up. In our religion, our God came to serve us and love us and make up the difference for us, do what we couldn't for ourselves, and then died for us, sinless, became sin for us, and loved us with an everlasting love, and continues to sit on the throne interceding for us because he loves us. And he says to us, you can't do it, so I'm going to do it for you. That's love. That is love. Church, we should look different from the world. We should not look like the world we live in. Yes, we are in the world, but we should love better. 
When we are tempted to be selfish, we are called to lay ourselves aside. Philippians 2, 4 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. That is so against the world we live in right now. When we're offended, we're called to reconcile and repair. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Go to the last slide for me. I love this. What's the magic word to get what you want? I'm offended. (laughs) Is this not the world we're living in right now? What's the magic word? I'm offended. It is so the world we're living in right now. I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended. It's crazy. It is so crazy, the world that we're living in. When we're wounded, we are called to draw near to God for healing. Psalm 147.3 says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God does not condemn us for our feelings. He doesn't tell us, oh, stop it, get over yourself. He acknowledges that we experience wounds. He acknowledges that we experience offense. He acknowledges that we're tempted by selfishness, that those things, that's why he came and died for us, because he understands that we struggle. He knows that. He's not condemning us. He's not mad at us. He's not telling us that we're wretched and and there's no hope for us. He came so there was hope for us. He loves us with an everlasting love. He's not a mean, hateful God. He loves us. He brought us hope. He made it possible for us to overcome. But we absolutely have to surrender to him in order that we may love well. Because to be blameless, we have to look different. We have to acknowledge who he is and look different. So when we surrender to the process, choose to obey his word and live according to it, he makes us blameless. He, we take on the righteousness of Christ and he makes us blameless. Sometimes life becomes so overwhelming. And when we forget who God is and what Jesus did for us, it becomes so overwhelming. We feel like we can't do it, that we can't master it. That is a lie from the pits of hell. We can do it because of who Jesus is and what he empowers us to do. We take on the very righteousness of Christ and we are empowered by him to do the things that we need to do. We cannot do it in our own strength. We cannot do We cannot do love well without him. We can't. We simply cannot do it. So one of the things that I wanted to do, I wanted to go through literally the 20 definitions of the word blameless that are in the word of God. That word blameless, these are the 20 definitions. And I want you just to listen to this because this is what God makes you. This is what he makes you. Set apart, holy, sacred, different from the world, with a nature and a likeness of the Lord. That's one of the definitions. That is what he makes you when he makes you blameless. The second one, Holy Spirit influenced. Thank you, Jesus. The third one, pure, chaste, uncontaminated, in a condition prepared for worship. 
Think about that. Isn't that powerful? He makes us that. Jesus made us that, church. So when we come in, whether it's in a church building or a prayer closet or wherever you are, we can step into worship prepared because he made us blameless. He prepared us. We can come into the very presence of God completely blameless because he did that for us. We don't have to be afraid of him. We can come completely blameless before him. Boldly to the throne of God because he made us blameless. Fourth, innocent, innocent. He made us innocent, church. Guiltless, simple without any desire to hurt or harm. So when those things rise up in us, and I know what rises up in me, and I have to rebuke it and I have to ask God to take it away. But we, because of who he is, the, the, the precious lamb of God, that nature becomes our nature because he gave it to us without any desire to hurt or harm. You know what? If a person was worthy for Jesus to die for, if he loved that person enough to die for them, then they're worth my loving. You remember that song that, that Kathy sung on Sunday? If you're willing to love them enough to die for them, if you're willing to love them that much, all the billions of people on the planet, if you gave your life to love them, so will I. God, help us to love like that. Help us, God, to see people with your eyes. That should be our heart's cry, church, that we should love the way that Jesus loved. The next definition is one of the words that we read tonight, free from fault or defect. How many of you in and of yourself feels free from fault or defect? No, dear God, no. But because of Jesus' righteousness, we are free from fault and defect because he made us that way. The seventh definition, undefiled, untainted, free from contamination, unstained. White as snow from the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He makes us that, church. Without blame, faultless, unblemished, the spot-free lamb of God. He took on our sin. Gosh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Morally and spiritually blameless, unmarred by the effects of sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Thank you, Jesus. Number 10, guiltless and innocent. Number 11, irreproachable, not convictable, as in a court of law. When we were convicted of our sin, Jesus stood up and said, no, I'm guilty. I became guilt so that you don't have to be. Thank you, Jesus. What an incredible God we serve. Number 12, never caught doing wrong, not found wrong. Not found wrong. Thank you, Jesus. This next one was the other definition, not offending or causing offense, not causing to stumble. 14, unstained, undefiled, spotless, and pure. 15, just, righteous, impartial, approved by God, innocent. 16, make righteous, 
defend the cause of, and justify. 17, justly, righteously approved by God. 18, holy, godly, beloved of God. 19, pious and devout. And the last one, separate, set apart from the world. Now, that last one, set apart from the world, doesn't mean that we don't stay in the world. We have to be in the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. But it's so vital that we influence the world. I've shared the story of a cousin that I have that, oh my goodness, the man mocks God so much. But he so needs the love of Jesus in his life. And I have felt so drawn to just pray for him because anytime I've reached out to him with the gospel, he just mocks it. And, you know, and I know that's a defense mechanism. So I've just prayed and I've asked the Holy Spirit, just, just draw him to you. And I can tell you that there's been times that I've glimpsed um, where he's been deeply wounded. And I know that part of his reaction to the gospel is out of a deep wounding. And so many people in the world church have been hurt so deeply. It's a defense. They're, 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 they're just trying to, it's, have you ever seen a wounded animal? You know, where like, like a, an animal that's really badly wounded and you reach to help it and it bites you like a dog that's been hit by a car or something. And you reach out to help it and it bites you. And you, you, you like, you almost want to hurt it some more. Cause like, Hey, stupid, I'm trying to help you. Like that's your reaction. Like you stupid dog. I'm trying to help you. Why are you bite me? But it's just because it's so blinded with the pain that you're coming at it, and it's in so much pain, it's so vulnerable, that all it knows to do is to bite at whatever's coming at it because it's in so much pain. Well, that's what so many people in the world do because they're reacting, because they're hurt. And so sometimes maybe our reaching out to them doesn't work because they just, they're just in too much pain. And so we don't stop reaching out, but if that's the reaction, don't get mad at that. You know, I mean, I understand it because I get mad at it. I mean, we all do. But, but our reaction should be the reaction of Jesus. You know, he's hanging on the cross. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, he didn't get mad and, and say, God, you know, blow them away, man. Just bam, you know, fry them, God. That wasn't his reaction. He was in so much pain. It's, we, we don't even comprehend the kind of pain he was in. You know, Pastor John shared... This Sunday, it was so much more than the physical pain because the spiritual anguish, the mental and emotional anguish that he was going through, and yet his heart's cry was out of love. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That kind of love is a supernatural love that only God can give us. And so I challenge you tonight that when you're dealing with people in the world, ask God to give you his eyes for them, his heart for them, even people who are so difficult for you to deal with, especially people who are difficult for you to deal with. And I believe right now, by the Spirit of God, God is bringing people to your mind. It might be in your family. It might be on your job. I don't know who they are, but I know that by the Spirit of God, some of you have people that are coming to your mind. 
And God is speaking to you and telling you that those are people that he is trying to reach. And you are somebody in their life that can bring God's love into their life in a way that they've never experienced. And if you will allow God to use you, ask him how. Ask him how you can be a light in their life. And then allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. And he will use you to minister the love of Christ in their life. We are coming into a season, we are in a time in our world where there is so much chaos and so much upheaval and so much unknown. It is such a time in society where so much is unstable. And people are reacting. There's so much fear and uncertainty. And yet God never changes. He is so good and he is so rock solid. And we can depend on him because we know that he is good all the time. And people don't know that. And they're looking for something that they can hang on to. And they need to know that they can hang on to him. And church, we know that. We know how good God is. And there are so many people that haven't tasted the goodness of God. And they need it so desperately. And we can bring that to them. We can show them the goodness of God through our lives. And so tonight... Be that. Be that light in a dark world. And ask God to help you to do it. And when you're feeling that thing rise up in you, it's like, God, I don't, this person is driving me crazy. The enemy is bringing animosity, and God is trying to bring love to this person's life. And so let's bow our heads tonight and ask God to help us. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you have brought people into our lives, and the enemy is trying to bring division he is trying to bring strife. And these people that are causing so much turmoil in our lives, God, we know that we have a real enemy that doesn't want these people to know you. And God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would give us wisdom, that you would open our eyes, and that you would help us, Lord, to minister to these people because they are someone that Jesus died for. Help us, God, to be a light in their lives. Help us, God, to know how to love well. Help us to see them through your eyes, God. Give us wisdom and understanding. And, God, a supernatural love for them above anything that we could ever muster up on our own strength, God. Help us to love with your love, God. A supernatural love above anything that we could ask or think, Lord God. Help us, Jesus, to represent you well. God, bring people across our paths, God, that we can love on, that are so desperate for, for something stable in their lives. And God, only you are, are stable, that don't change ever, God. You're the only thing. You're the only dependable thing, God. Everything else just moves and shakes and changes. But God, you, we can depend on. And let us be a rock-solid influence in people's lives, Lord. We thank you for it, God. We thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. I love you. I hope that you will go and be a light in this crazy world. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. 
can't wait to see you next week.